Amy, I couldn't remember whether she has sung for us before, but that was beautiful. It's wonderful, and I, I, I can't believe I wouldn't have remembered that. So, that's ex- <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I love having, having, and we're excited for Amy and, and for some of our other seniors. In a couple weeks, we'll have... Uh, a graduation or a senior recognition Sunday uh, and actually we're going to be doing that in this service so you're going to get a chance to see I don't think all of our seniors are going to be able to be that, there that day but we have a bunch of them that are going to, uh, going to be there and we're going to get to recognize them so that'll be fun so a lot of neat stuff happening busy busy time of year uh, we are going to this morning uh, be looking at a story in the, the book of Acts the 10th chapter if you want to, uh, to open your Bibles and be there, we'll get there in just a few minutes. But, um, but before we do, let me, start with, uh, let me start with this question. How many of you consider yourself, this is a personal reflection, how many of you consider yourself patient? Show of hands. All right, there's a few, there's a few hands. Okay, leave your hands up for a second. This is where we're going to test this. I want you to look around. If you see somebody's hand up, after the service, grab them. Tell them your life story, starting at your earliest memories. We're going to find out how patient that everybody is. There is a smattering of you that consider yourself patient. What I, what I figured is exactly what I've seen in the first service in this one. There's not a lot of us. There's, there's some of us, but not a lot of us readily. I'm very patient. I, um, I'm, incredibly, inc- I'm incredibly patient. Uh, my wife's telling me I'm in shirts, that I shouldn't lie, uh, if you can't hear over there. That's why I did that. Um, no, I, I, was, I was reflecting on this a few weeks ago, and I, I think it was Verizon. I don't know who I was calling, but um, I was on hold. And, um, you know, you call, or I called, and, and you've probably had this, and, and rings a couple times, and it picks up, and you kind of immediately think, oh, good, somebody's there, and you get the automated voice. And this was the message. Thank you for calling Verizon. We are currently experiencing longer than average wait times. You heard that one? Has anybody ever called and heard, we're currently experiencing shorter than average wait times. Your lucky day. Um, We're currently experiencing longer than average wait times. A service representative will be with you shortly. Thank you for waiting. And it was the last phrase that I was thinking about. Thank you for waiting. They're thanking me for doing something I don't have a choice in. I don't have an option not to either hang up and don't deal with whatever the issue was or I have to wait. So so they're they're kind of thanking me for for something I I didn't really make a choice in doing to begin with. And and I started to think about it. Thank you for waiting. Sometimes you hear it like this. Uh, We thank you for your patience. That's even a little more specific, a little more to the point. And I started to think what they're doing is that they are hoping to speak reality into existence. What I mean is they're hoping, and especially those men and women that are on the other end of the phone call when they do pick up, who have nothing to do with our wait time, you know, it's not their fault. What they're praying for is that by the time we get to them, we will have been patient. You know, that we won't get on angry, that we will have been okay with however long the wait time is. And depending on your level of patience, that, that slowly evaporates depending on how long the phone call goes. But, but thank you for your patience. Thank you for, for waiting. And the, the reality is that 
corporations and companies and all of us kind of understand human nature. And that is a large percentage of us by our little in, informal survey, most of us don't consider ourselves to be patient. I know some of you may be more self-critical, others may think you're patient, but the reality is um, we all have a point. I, I am not a patient person. I'll joking aside, I'm not. And, and I have to be very aware of that. And there are areas that, that certainly relationally, that that can have consequences when, when you're impatient with other people. And there's areas of, of, of our lives that that gets lived out. And there's no real consequences, but we see it evidenced. Uh, for me, technology. I'm impatient with technology. I want it to be available quickly. Things that used to be okay. Years ago, my dad had one of the early computers in the late 80s. It was an Epson, I think it was an Epson, uh, and it was, you know, the, the, the monochrome monitor, and basically it was a word processing unit. Thing took five minutes to boot up, and you had to boot it up, remember, folks, floppy, five and a half, five and a quarter inch floppy disks? Show that to your kids, they'll have no idea what, you, what it is. Um, and, you know, it took five minutes to boot up, and we didn't care because it was amazing technology. I sat down this morning in the office to review my sermon. And the computer, which is supposed to boot up instantaneously, took 20 seconds, and I was fuming. Come on already. You hit the button. Come on, pop up. Because 20 seconds is too long to wait for the computer to turn on. And you realize the way that, that our, our, our patience ebbs and flows depending on the circumstances. We, talk, we joke about traffic all the time. I mean, it's just the way. I am not the only person that talks to other drivers. I know I'm not the only person. I mean, you get behind the person who's not. Go, go, go. That's me. Or, or my favorite saying is, it's the long pedal. Push the long pedal. <laughs> right? Because, because I want to be wherever I need to be, even if I don't need to be there. You know, the way the patience of that. We, um, I was in Tennessee this week. Ryan's back, drove him back. Uh, he and I, and uh, you don't have to clap for that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't give him a big head. Don't do that. Um, we're coming down from, uh, from, from Tennessee. We're in Florida, heading south. The northbound lanes, about the point where the turnpike and I-75 merge, if you, you know, it's just south of the Wildwood exit, if you know that route, if many of you travel that way, uh, it's backed up for miles going north. It's backed up all the way into, you know, from basically from Ocala, south of that, that merge point. And I'm sitting there, we're driving and we're moving good. And I'm like, oh, thank God we're not going north. Thank God we are not going north. <laughs> you think I'd know better than to put that out there. We hit Brandon at 4 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. And it turned around, not as badly as it was for them. But we didn't have a timetable. We didn't have to be anywhere at a certain time. But I didn't care. I want to get there. I don't want to wait. You know, and that's, that is the, the, the personality some of us have. I, I read an article from a, a writer by the name. He's actually a human resource guy. For, and I can't remember the name of the company. Michael Herbsteed. Uh, it was in a journal that I was reading. And he was talking about lessons he's learned in human um, resources. And he talked about one of the things that he sees, and, and I don't want to just put this on younger generations. The last thing I want to do is sit here and go, millennials, you know, that's, that's not fair, and we do enough of that junk. But, um, but he was talking about some of the things that, that he does see that sometimes young people coming into the workforce struggle with, and that is he said that, that we've raised them and we've told them you can be anything you want to be. You can be the CEO. And he said, that's good. You can be. But we also need to teach them you've got to work to get there. You know, that, that, that there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and there's time that goes in to, to ascending that. You may start washing toilets, 
and working their way up kind of thing. And, and what happens is that he sees in some people, there's this impatience, this idea that, that the road's going to be quick and easy and we're going to get there because they, want, they don't want to wait for it. And, and so that, that manifests itself in all of our lives in different ways. What are the things that, that, that we get impatient waiting for? And how does our impatience um, live out and manifest? The scripture this morning, when we turn to Acts chapter 10, uh, we see patience at work. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But before we do, let me set it up. Because really you need to treat the entire chapter of Acts 10 as a, as a complete unit. We're not reading the entire chapter. So I need to, to backstory this for you if you're not familiar with it. Many of you will be. But this is the story or part of the story of Peter and Cornelius. Now here's what's going on. This is what we, you'd have read had we read the whole chapter. It starts off with Cornelius. Cornelius is in the Roman military. He's in Caesarea. He is a God-fearing man. He prays. He, he gives to the poor. He's got a generous heart. God sees that. God recognizes that. God blesses that. And he gives him a vision. And in this vision, he says, send some of your servants to Joppa, which is 30 miles away, roughly 30 miles. He says, go and ask a man named Peter to come to you. In fact, what, Jesus, what God's doing, he's setting up an opportunity for for. Uh, Cornelius and his household to hear the gospel. So he says, go get Peter, basically. And of course, Cornelius is faithful, obedient to that. While his guys are on their way to go get Peter, Peter's up on the roof and he has a vision. And in this vision, he sees a sheet descending. And on that sheet are animals, birds, reptiles, all kinds of, uh, of game, if you will. And the voice of God that says to him, Peter, kill and eat. Now, here's the thing that you've got to understand. All these animals that he's looking at are animals that are ritually unclean for the Jewish people. They're things Peter has never eaten. And so Peter kind of responds that way. He says, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. And this is the key verse. I think it's verse 15. God says to him, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Do not call unclean what I have made clean. And then he says, there's some men coming for you. Go with them. Go with him. Now, that's the lesson that sets up what we're about to read. So we're going to pick it up at verse 23 of Acts chapter 10. And this is what we, what we hear. It says, Then Peter invited the men to come into his house and to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, and I want you to hear what he says. I want you to really listen to this. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to be associated or to visit a Gentile. Now keep in mind, this is a room full of Gentiles. Basically, what he's saying is, I shouldn't be here. But he goes on, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. You see the lesson landing at this point. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon... 
Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would hear... Lord, give us ears to hear in these moments as, this, as your word is read, as these words are spoken, they be of your Holy Spirit and they be food for our journey, strength for our faithfulness as we seek to grow in Christ. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Now the question is, did you see the example of patience in the story? Did you see the power of of patience in the story. If you didn't, don't beat yourself up because it's not easy to find. Because we, we tend to begin to think about Peter in this story because Peter's kind of the central character. He comes to Cornelius and he, he shares this, this message, this, this gospel. And, and that is, that is what, what we read. It, it, this, it's almost like a, a creed, like we do the Apostles' Creed where we profess the tenets of faith. That's what, what Peter does here is he professes or he shares this message of faith of who Jesus was, his life, his death, his resurrection, the things that he did, and the power of salvation to those who believe. Peter gives this message, and Peter has been groomed for this. Uh, Peter, one of the very first disciples, he's the central disciple that we, most of us, if I said start naming the disciples, Peter's usually the first one we name. We know the most about him. He's always the central figure. He's front and center. And, and he, he was one of the first to come to follow Jesus. Andrew, his brother, was ahead of him, but the, the scriptures tell us that when Andrew heard Jesus and, and was intrigued and decided to follow Jesus, he went and got Peter. And so Peter came and followed him. And Peter's the one that Jesus said, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Peter, who was there through the entire journey, heard the sermons, saw the things Jesus did, the people that he healed, the places that he went, the, the love that he showed. This is Peter's story. And yet, the focus of patience in this is not Peter. In fact, it's not the patience of Peter that we're talking about this morning. Um, it's, it's patience with Peter that becomes the focal point. It's the patience of God with Peter. I want, you to, I want to read just 
one key verse that jumped out at me as I studied this passage. It's verse 34. Peter there in the home of Cornelius, getting ready to proclaim the gospel message. This is what he said when he began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I don't know if you caught it. I now realize. I now realize. You might think, well, of course, Peter saw the vision. Now he gets it. This is Peter. We get introduced to Peter in Matthew chapter 4. He's there the entire time, and it's Acts chapter 10 that he says, oh, yeah, now I get it. He has seen what Jesus has done. He's been there for every step. He's seen Jesus extend grace to Samaritans. He has seen Jesus heal people regardless of their religious identity. He heard the command that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, or, and that was Matthew 28, but you were to be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. He, he's heard this, but it's not till Acts chapter 10 that he says, now I get it. Now I get it. You know, there's, there's in Luke chapter 8, Jesus says to his disciples as he's teaching and preaching, he says, let us go to the other side of, of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. It's one of those texts where Jesus kind of goes from one side to the other. He gets in the boat. We're kind of familiar with that if you know the gospel stories, that Jesus does this occasionally. Well, what, what, what happens is, though, is we lose the significance of the other side of the lake because we're, it's not our, our cultural context. But the other side of the lake was, was in some ways maybe what we would think of as the other side of the railroad tracks. It's where they live, whoever's on the other side of the railroad tracks for you. In Jesus' time, the other side of the sea was the Roman cities. There were 10 Roman cities called the Decapolis. They were first Greek, then they were Roman. They were cities that were populated because land was given in these areas to soldiers. But here's what it's key. It's pagan land. It's, it's those outside the Jewish faith. It's a place that good Jews didn't go. You didn't go to the Roman cities. You have skirted the Roman cities for Jewish cities. But yet Jesus says there, let us go to the other side. In other words, let's take the message from this side to that side. Let's take the message that is for us to them. And he does, and he performs miracles there. And, and there's the story that, that is worth unpacking another time of, of Jesus casting out the demons into the pigs. And Legion was their name, and that's a reference to this soldier mentality. And, and he goes, and he performs a miracle, and he goes back later, and he feeds 4,000. And he begins to proclaim the gospel, and they begin to hear and to believe. The, the point Jesus is trying to make really clear is that this gospel, this message that I come, isn't just for us, but it's for them. Peter sees all of this. Peter's there for all of this. And yet, Acts chapter 10, I now realize. So what's the example of patience of the story? Who's the one that's waiting? It's not Peter. It's God. God's patience with Peter. God's patience with, with this disciple and all the disciples who was so slow to understand the power of the gospel and who it was for. And, you know, the undercurrent of the, of the, of the scriptures is, is, this, is the story of God's patience with his people. 
in, in the, the Hebrew children that are led out of bondage of Egypt and into their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. You remember, if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with the story, it's over and over again that they're disobedient, over and over again that they whine and they grumble and they complain. Over and over again they fail to do the very thing that God's asked them to do. And over and over again, God extends grace. Sometimes judgment, there is judgment and there is accountability there. But the, but the point is God never gives up on them. See, God doesn't do what most of us would have done, what I would have done, which has been like, enough. I'm done with you. Anybody treated me that way, that consistently unfaithful? I'm done. But God's not. And he does that, and it carries over into the story of the nation of Israel. And as you go kind of into their story, they wanted a king after the time of the judges. They wanted a king. And God says, you don't need a king. And they said, well, we want one. Well, why do we want one? Because everybody else, all the other nations around us have a king. We want to be like them. And God says, you don't need to be like them. But he, but he acquiesces. He says, okay, I'll give you a king. First one was Saul. That didn't go so well. The next one was David. And David was a great king and a failed king. So there's David, then there's Solomon. And after Solomon, it just goes downhill. And again, if you know the story, it's, it's this repetitive nature of some repentance and, and grace, but then over and over again of them being disobedient and unfaithful and following other gods and going their own way. And it's this, just this powerful story. And there is, there's heavy moments of judgment, but there's never a point of abandonment. God never quits on them. He never gives up. Now that, that same character of God we see lived out in the life of Peter and others. This God of tremendous patience, this God of tremendous willingness to wait for us to get it. I think sometimes very frustrated with us, but is willing to wait. That is good news for us because you know what? We're all on this journey of becoming and we all so often fail to get it. I know more times, probably I don't know all the times. Let me, let me back that up. I don't even know all the times that I'm sure that, that God looks at me and just shakes his head and goes, when Chris, are you going to get it? When are you going to get this good news? When are you going to get who this gospel message is for? And, and, and the blessing and the power of the story is that like with Peter, God is tremendously patient with us. God is gracious with us in this journey. See, the, the, the story of the gospel isn't just this, this past tense story of what God has done, but it's, it's what God did in the past, what God's doing in this moment, and the story that God's inviting us into our future. And that's a process of constantly becoming and constantly learning and constantly growing. God's incredibly patient with us in that journey. And that's good news and that's hope for us. But, but here's the other side. What's good news for us is good news for others. God is not just patient with us because, you know, we're the, we're the Gentile community here. But God is patient with others as well and, and extends to them that same grace and that same call and that same willingness to wait and to knock and pray for those doors to be opened. And God is so far less, in fact, God will not dismiss people that we will easily dismiss. And the story of our faith is the story of men and women who have been redeemed from places we would have written them off of. We would have just walked away and figured it was too late for them. And yet so often, over and over again, God's persistence and his pursuit wins hearts back to him and then God does tremendous things through their testimony. And you probably know some of the stories. I know some of the stories. There's a, a pastor up in Ocala. I was, I was hearing his testimony not too long ago 
of growing up in a broken home, a mother who was addicted to drugs. He became addicted to drugs. He has a felony. He was arrested and, and has a felony conviction on his record. Uh, he, he visited the places that most of us don't dare to go. You know, got the tattoos up and down his arms to show it. And God got a hold of him. And today he's pastoring and he's leading a church and he's doing Bible studies in tattoo parlors. And he's going to the people that too often many of us, I'm guilty of, going, ah, that's, no, thank you, Lord. No. But see, what God says is, I am patient with you. I am patient with you. And I am patient with others. And I will continue to pursue them as strongly and as powerfully as I pursue you. So the challenge is for us to not only celebrate God's good news for us, this good news of God's patience and God's redemption, but to recognize it in others. There is nobody you ever lock eyes with, nobody you will ever see in your entire life that God isn't passionately in love with, that God isn't passionately pursuing, that God isn't waiting, desperately hoping that hearts will be open to him. Not one. So if God doesn't write them off, how dare we do it? And so what becomes our challenge is to extend that same patience and grace to others. And not just to people outside the church. We need to do it with each other. Because there are a lot of people, sometimes I, I become guilty of this. I go, ah, oh, when are they going to get it? I go, when is so-and-so going to get it? And then I remember the Lord looks at me the same way. And I don't know, how about you? When are you going to get it? So, so that need to, 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 to be compassionate and, and show patience with each other as we are in this journey of becoming. Peter had been through all of these things and it wasn't until Acts chapter 10 that he got this part of the gospel, that he finally figured out, oh yeah, this isn't just for us. This is for everybody. And he starts to proclaim it to everybody. And Peter wasn't done. He'd continue to grow. In fact, he'll continue to be on his journey until the day he steps into the kingdom of God, just like we are, just like we are. The good news is God is a, a patient waiting God. And he will be patient with us. Sometimes frustrated and there's accountability and there's all of those things, but God doesn't quit on us. He doesn't quit on us. No matter how long he's on hold because we put him there. He'll wait. He'll wait for us. So celebrate that. That is good news. But, but live it in a way that extends it to others that shares it with others, that sees God's patient pursuit of others and seeks to be an instrument to, to, be, to, to win others to the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There's no point when he gives up on us. That's the good news. He has no point that God gives up on us. Don't give up on each other. Don't give up on each other. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the, the example that you give through Peter of your faithfulness and your patience and your willingness to wait for us to get it and, and help us to, to celebrate that but to extend it to, to live into that faithfully and obediently as is the example of Christ our Lord. For it is in his name we pray, amen.